Shut up and sit down. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah, Batman! Our bikes love us and we love them back As we ride through the city by the cars like black On the teeth of the town we just keep on singing We're unstoppable Oh, hell yeah! You are listening to the Dial Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Doing. One of the most important decisions you will make is to be in a good mood. For every minute you are angry, you lose 60 seconds of happiness. So, crank it up and be happy, my friend. When things are good, when things are hard, we ride together, we don't drive cars, but together we make such beautiful music. Oh, hell yeah, brother, yee yee! Unstoppable mamas, a G and O. Unstoppable kids, yeah. Get your bike and go. Get your bike and go. Unstoppable papas. Pedal and flow. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You're doing it good, buddy. Great job. Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I'm Jake Vondering. Today I'm here with Lance Hepler. Lance Romance in the studio today. With pants on. I have my pants on, but I am sad because none of my kids... Called me yesterday. They usually call me on Sundays, oh. and none of them called I me. I thought you were going to say it was like your birthday, and they didn't I call you. I think they hate or, me. Yeah. Or they, they don't listen to this. So. No, they're busy because they're Disneyland yeah, world. They're all busy. Anyway. Yep. Yeah. Matt Legrand. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? How are you guys doing? <laughs> Fantastic. And you look good, yeah. and you guys look good, too. So there's that. And we've got a special listener slash friend slash teammate in the studio with us today, Mr. Alan Plank. Hello, hello. Uh, I don't have a cool, catchy... Uh, well, nor should you. You don't want one. That so I'm, was, I'm here. Hello, that was everyone. pathetic, Alan. I'm sorry. I'm I'll work on it. disappointed. Oh, all right. Let's jump into our backpedal. Matt. Okay. Mine's easy to do because I didn't do anything this past week. We have cross-country season starting, so coaching cross-country kids. We have largest number of kids we've ever had before, 122 kids. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, I know. It's insane. I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, and Probably so run a lot. I, I, we're going to try to run some. And so actually that's what I did this week. Didn't really swim that much. Didn't really bike that much. Uh, went for a couple of runs. I'm really happy that I did an eight mile run yesterday. Nice. I know for me, that's good. And it's a start. It, it's, it's something feeling better. You're moving a little bit I'm better moving. I'm not moving well, but that's okay. I'll take it. Shoulder report though is it's getting better. Yeah. It's getting better. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I just, Go, I'm working with Evan Price, you know, who is a regular on the podcast, just not regular enough to make it here today. Uh, but I'm working with him on shoulder rehab yeah. stuff. Shoulder looks like it's happy to see us. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's erect and uh, it's it's right there. There's it's, something protruding. There's it's the, from across the table. The collarbone sticks up and uh, doesn't hide its feelings, <laughs> so it sticks up. And so that's just a it's basically a permanent addition that I have on my shoulder now. So that's. It's not going to get better for the most part. You know, it's just going to so be there. During this downtime with your shoulder, yeah. has your Achilles done any recovery? Is it starting to feel better? I mean, it. so I took basically, uh, I really wasn't able to run for two months or so. And I think that did help. I was having calf problems and all this stuff and couldn't really run more than two miles. And so I think actually having this extra break helped. So good. Yeah. So yeah, it's not perfect. I'm still 
going to need to do some stuff about that, but whatever. Gotcha. I like it. Yep. Alan, I'm looking straight at you, but I'm going to hold off until we go last. So Lance, <laughs> jump into this. All right. Uh, backpedal. <clears throat> backpedal. I've got, I've got three things I want to talk about because I, I raced three times this last week. Three, three when there's a zero. So it's 30 things. 30 want, things. 30 things we're going to talk about. Number 29. So, um, <laughs> Uh, I raced the Portland Trophy Cup cyclocross race. It's the Tuesday night series here in the Portland area. And um, I raced the 50-plus category. And I actually, there was about 20 people in my field. I got out to a really great start. I got way ahead um, in the field. sounds like a carbon copy of last week. Yeah, right. You're like, I went out hard. I went, well, I didn't, I tried not to like, go out that hard because I tried yeah. to learn something from last week. But uh, after half a lap, I was, I was in the lead and kind of pulling away. And then a guy caught me in the field. And he caught me and he sat on my wheel for a little bit and I let him go around me. And once he went around me, I just, I was able to stick right on his mm-hmm. wheel and I just outsprinted him on the very final oh, good for you. straight. That so I, nice. Yeah. So I ended up winning my first race of the whole year. I've raced like 35 times. That's the first race I've won <laughs> Congratulations. All year. So that was kind of exciting. And these Portland Trophy Cup races are fantastic. They're well run. They're at, they're at uh, Portland International Raceway. Um, they're not real difficult courses, but um, it's... Uh, they're, they're good. They're good races. How many too. people were in your field? They're about 20. About 20? Gotcha. Yeah. So, so there's another one of those tomorrow night. Correct. They're they're five weeks in a row. Okay. They're every Tuesday night. So and there's another. It's going to be tomorrow super night. sloppy tomorrow. It's going to be messy. Okay. Yeah. Fun times. Which is okay. You want to give a little shout out to uh, why the juniors get to race free there? Um, all juniors race for free, and all beginner women race for free. Oh wow! Yeah. Good at for Portland them. Trophy Cup. Good for them for That's doing awesome. that. So we have a teammate, um, yep. Eric Hagstadt, who owns a real estate company, and he uh, sponsored all the juniors, which means he's paying for any junior who wants to race for the entire year. So if you're a junior, wow, or you want to tr- you want to try cyclocross or something, you can come out and race for free at Portland That's Trophy crazy. Cup. Tuesday Do you nights. remember the name of his real estate company? It's like Inhabit Portland. In, inhabit, yeah. Inhabit Portland or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Very cool. Good yeah. job, should, Eric. Yeah, send Thank people you, his way. Inhabitportland.org. Yeah. I don't know. We don't know what like his website people, is, but people should go check it out. Yeah. Check <laughs> I always like it when people like that do yeah, cool stuff totally. for kids and women. Is he supporting the women as well, or is somebody else stepping up I'm, to do that one? I'm not positive. Gotcha. Somebody else might be stepping up for that one. Gotcha. We'll find out. Maybe we'll post all that stuff up to Facebook. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> Another empty threat. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that was the Tuesday night race. Wednesday night, I also raced cyclocross. Well, it's one of those days that ends in Y. You got to race race on those days. So there's a Wednesday night series here in Portland at our dairy, Alpenrose Dairy. Um, It's called Blind Date at the Dairy. They are also fun, more difficult courses because there's some run-ups and some steep things and whatnot. And uh, in this race, there was about 25 guys, again, in my field. And I did the exact opposite of the night before, where, at least in the end, um, I started slow. I uh, worked my way to the front, and um, I caught the guy who was in the lead and went around him. And he sat on my wheel for three and a half laps and then out sprinted me. <laughs> so Same was, guy, huh? No, different guy. Oh, different guy. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So different guy. It was kind of funny because I got around him and I made 
I put in some huge efforts to try to drop him, like in technical spots on the yeah. course, and I could just never drop Do him. It. He just stayed with me. And so on that last lap, I kind of held up a little bit, hoping that he would go around me, but um, he didn't. He kind of sat there. And then right at the very end, we caught some lap traffic, and we both went opposite ways to try to get around this lap traffic. And his lane opened up, and mine oh, didn't, and okay. um, he beat yeah. me. So, so it was it was great totally racing. Random things yeah. like this is just gonna happen. You race eighty times per week. Right. Things are gonna you know you're not gonna win them all. So. Yeah. So first on Tuesday and second on Wednesday, that was that was good. pretty good for me. So I was feeling really good going into the weekend race. Yeah. Which was uh, our, our Grand Prix Luciano Bailey Het Mir race Het at Mir Vancouver race. Lake uh, Park. And um, the Hetmere race is famous because there are a couple of sand sections which are right. very difficult. There's a, a sand spot that you can ride through, and then there's a sand spot you have to Short. run up. And um, um, <laughs> I was feeling good because I had raced really well during the week and thought, and there were lots of guys who beat me the weekend before that I beat during the week, and I thought, okay, I'm going to do a whole lot better. So in this... Uh, in this sand section, I started slower again, but uh, I was running about fifth. And last week I took ninth in this field, and it's mm -hmm. like 45 guys and difficult fields and fast guys. And I thought, okay, I just I'm trying to be in the top five or something like that. And I was running about fifth, and I get to the sand section, oh. and <laughs> I went through it seven times. I think I think we did seven laps. Uh, if it was clear ahead of me, if there had, if I had no traffic ahead of me, I could ride through the sand. Cause you have to power through it. You have to power through it. You have yeah. to put your weight back. You have to keep weight off that front wheel. You have to just kind of power through it. And if I, if it was clear, I could make it, which was faster than oh, yeah. running through it. But if there was traffic in front of me and they turned in front of me, you couldn't really like make a course correction. You would go down. So, um, me like an idiot tried to ride it every single time. Yeah, of course, because <laughs> you're Lance. That's a smart move. Because <laughs> that's because I was. I'm like, it's faster. I know it's faster. I'm gonna ride it. You're like, I just have to ride over two or three people. Right, and so I completely endoed twice. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. Like guys would turn in front of me, and I would try to go around them, and just yeah. -dunk, and as soon as you <laughs> move that front. What yeah. was that? Oh, okay. <laughs> that's what that is. That's the okay. endo sound. Gotcha. And I, I had full. Sand in Everywhere. you know in every crevice. Of my Human bike. churro. <laughs> I was completely du <laughs> lightly dusted in sand, and on the last lap, I was running in fifth and tried to ride it and crashed. And four guys in my field passed me oh. right at that spot. You're like spitting sand oh, out. Yeah. They're like, "Good job, Lance!" <laughs> and good effort. And I believe I cussed loudly, so I'm glad. That, <laughs> I'm glad that there weren't an, a, an Obra official at the same pit because I cussed really loud. They may not have been able to hear it over your other sound effects. <laughs> That's right, because I was wheezing as well. <laughs> so I ended up tenth. Dang. Yeah. So we, you were you were in fifth. I was, in fifth. I was in you fifth. I was in fifth. You just had to land it. I just, yeah. I should have. lanced it. I, I tried to like power it. It's just stupid. No, I think it's the right thing to do. If you, if you had a clear shot in that last lap, you should have gone for it. Well, I didn't. You didn't. Oh, okay. Never yeah, mind. There were guys ahead of me, and I thought, oh. You're going to pass them. I'm going to pass them. I'll go wide, and they'll go left. 
you know, and I'll, I'll try to get around him and, and I'll pass even more guys. And instead they like lost their, they like wobbled in front of me and boom, that I just, that sand was deep. Yeah, it was deep. You're yeah. full of all kinds of little sound effects today. I oh, love yeah. it, dude. <laughs> uh, well, I talk with my hands, and you guys can't see that. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, so that's enough. So Good job, Lance. I sat on some guy's wheel and beat him, and then somebody sat on my wheel, and he beat me, and then I and made then poor decisions through the sand. And, ate a lot of sand. And ate a lot of sand. Yeah. So. <laughs> Glad you're okay. That's like cross racing. I'm a lot more sore today than I uh, should be. Did you ride yesterday? I didn't. No. Took the day off, so. I did, yeah. Gotcha. So. Alan, would you like to backpedal for us? I would love to. So uh, first up, a little introduction to myself, I guess. Yeah, uh, sure. So I uh, smart. I work for the Oregon Air National Guard full-time, uh, who, by the way, offers tuition assistance these days. Nice. So kids uh, do eight, it. 17, 18, 19, looking at wanting to go to school, uh, join the Oregon Air Guard. Uh, I work on F-15s, avionic systems. Pretty and, cool. Uh, it's good stuff. Awesome. Also spent a few years in special operations with the uh, Air National Guard, so there's an uh, opportunity for that as well for people that want to get into that. Um, so this past week, uh, I do triathlon stuff like uh, Matt and Evan. Um, this is a yeah, this is a triathlon takeover uh, sort of. I don't know if we really need to Who go that far. Alan, but, but anyway, it but, but but we're slowly pulling him <laughs> away from the dark side. Him. Yeah. He's so <laughs> I've done about 20 or so road races and and short track and now cyclocross races this year and and no yes, triathlons have. Yeah, at yeah, all I so i feel yes. that i know what i know where this is going but <laughs> so yeah it. yeah i hurt my ankle um i'm i'm thinking it was a stress fracture back in april um and it was one of those sections of the ankle that just is really really slow to heal so i've just been riding my bike a whole lot uh bikes so is that why you kind of shifted a little bit this year? Because you it just is. couldn't quite run as much. I, I couldn't run at all for probably four months or so. Uh, I would occasionally go out and try, and it just wasn't And you wasn't did happening. this training for triathlon, right? Yes. See? Lesson yeah. learned. Yeah. And, and <laughs> your biking has become unbelievably oh fit. Gosh. I mean, you've gotten so much I've faster. I've made some progress. Alan yeah. is so strong. Yeah. He's so fun to ride with. So, so uh Moving into the last week, uh, I have gotten back into running some more, but I'm not. I'm not running very hard. Okay. Um, trying to take it easy. I got myself. I, I was always like a minimalist runner before. I've got myself some shoes with a ton of padding, some Hoka One Ones, okay. um, and I'm just kind of taking it easy for the most part. Um, in the last week, uh, I did quite a bit of running and some some easy bike riding, and then I also went out and did the Hetmere uh, cyclocross race. Yep. Um, it was my second race of cyclocross, and I'm doing these on my mountain bike because that's what I have. Yeah, I saw a picture of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's cool. And I'm doing okay. I actually um, think that's a good way to go. So I started out in the in the Cat Five group, and I managed to to eke out a win there in my first yeah, that, race. He so won by minutes. He minutes. did not eke out a win. <laughs> he on the mountain bike, crushed the, one, the field. You won with the mountain bike. <laughs> So I bumped up to Cat Four for the Hetmere, uh, and I I did actually eke out that one. I was no. I was losing for you a lap and a half. It was or so. still like thirty seconds. You, you still won by whoop. thirty seconds yeah. exactly. So I'm doing okay. Yeah, Alan's um, very strong. He he's done very well. So so I'll probably bump up one more uh, cat this next week, um, and then after the Hetmere race, I uh, I went and ran a little five uh, k uh, on the Air National Guard base. Oh, cool. um, they did a, a 5k fun run on base to to bring attention to suicide awareness oh yeah um, okay. it's been a it's been a big uh, issue in the military uh, over the last couple of years um suicide rates have have gone up and so doing some different things to try and bring attention to the fact that you know we all uh we all care about uh pretty much everybody we know yes. and and uh if anybody has issues that they 
they feel like, you know, people don't care about them or people aren't listening, you know, people will listen. So talk to somebody, reach let out know yeah. if you need to, uh, need to talk about things. Definitely. How was your 5k? Uh, it was okay. Did you run uh, hard? I, I did run hard. My ankle hurt a little ah, bit. Shit. Um, so, so I'm probably not going to run hard again for Take a while. A little, yeah. yeah. Okay. Just One more stick time. to running and cross races and you'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. Cycling. That's yeah. minimalist running right there for you at its yeah. best. I feel like yeah. I'm losing him. I'm losing him. <laughs> Alan won lots of races this year. Yeah. He won several races at PIR. Yeah. He won some crits. He, he did fantastic this year. So we've, we're super happy that he broke his ankle. <laughs> so happy that he so turned to the dark side. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, my backpedal, it's not much of a backpedal again, guys. I um, went out and did cyclocross practice on Wednesday, and I was telling myself, right, we're not going to do barriers. We're going to minimize that. So we did a fair amount of barrier work, and I did maybe 20% of it. So I skipped out on the, the lion's share of it, thinking that that's going to be – like my little saving grace so I can somehow go out and race this past weekend. So it turns out that going into sand a bunch of times, not crashing, but like diving into it with your front wheel and yeah. stabilizing it can strain your shoulder just the same as uh, picking up your bike and running it over barriers. And uh, it was feeling it a little bit out there. And as the night went on after cross practice, it kind of got worse, woke up the next morning, got worse, <laughs> went and saw the, uh, the acupuncturist and, um, she's telling me this is a really bad idea. I talked with a couple other people as well. They're all saying it's bad ideas waiting here back from my doc to say, uh, yeah, you should probably just like totally, totally shut it down. I, well, I'm pretty much resolved to the, the notion that my cyclocross season was over before it began and I am going to shut it down. For so, the year. so they don't, they don't, they don't want you to race cyclocross at all this whole season. Correct. They they say that I'm pretty much just walking too much of a thin line right now, that things Aww. could go bad, and it could be one of those situations where, you know, you get set back five or six weeks, and I don't, I mean, I, I love cross, and I wasn't going to do any of the wet stuff anyway because I don't want to fall and hurt myself. So right. I'm just going to hang it up. I'm going to transition into off season, and I'll just keep going out and supporting you guys and watching and taking pictures and, and cheering you on. But, um, yeah. I've, I've now I'm a professional um, soccer spectator, professional uh, team heckler, if you will, and then guy that takes pictures of people sometimes. You so. know, uh, the cyclocross season is difficult with people that have kids your age because yeah. it coincides with the kids' soccer yep. leagues. Yeah, and the the games and the races overlap. So yep. That makes it difficult. I, so far, I mean, I've been to both of the cross races on the weekends, but my, my daughter's games have been in the afternoons, strangely. Like, for some reason, a lot of their games are not until the afternoon, so I can go watch the races in the morning. Yeah. And I could have been racing them, but... So I've got my my two daughters, my oldest and my youngest, are both playing club soccer now. So it's not just the rec stuff where you show up, you know, and you play yeah. a little 40-minute game. I mean, they, they're playing games, like multiple games every day, yeah. all over the place, and we're constantly shuttling around and watching them play. So yeah, it was four games over the weekend and cyclocross, and then my son's playing fall club baseball now, which is a oh, whole wow. other dynamic. That's <laughs> but you're not coaching or anything like I'm that. I'm not coaching. Okay. No, I'm just that's a spectator. Good. So, so that's my backpedal. Nothing. Uh, Chase nothing, kids, man. Yeah, but I do want to say though, it was awesome watching everybody race at Hetmere. Um, I went back and added things up. We had 34 people show up and race. Oh my goodness. That's a lot from of people our from That's just fantastic. our team. And then of that 34 people, we had 11 podiums, 11 podium finishes, <laughs> six first place finishes, four second place finishes, and one third uh, place finish, which is spectacular. And then just a bunch of hand or a bunch of top 10 finishes as well. Yeah. 
Um, and, and a lot of these fields are deep. So that's that's proof positive that the team is making good progress. Right? So we're doing well. Got to show up to win, though. And you got to show up to, to get on those podiums. So come on out and race. Yeah. I love it. Yep. All right. Lead out news. Speaking of... Uh, Hetmir and Lance, you want to give us some some tidbits of information? I can on do. You know what I'll do is I'll talk about the the men's one two race. Um, there there was a pretty good field, but the two guys who took first and second last week were not there. They were both okay. out of town racing other places, so the field was a little bit, a bit more open. It was won by the fifteen year old from Bend. Oh yeah, Ian Brown. That's oh, yeah. awesome. Which is amazing and second place was by the 19 year old max ritzau from eugene and then jeremy russell the uh, token old guy on the podium it's nice that they're <laughs> willing to travel over for these races because yes. they they have other options so well, ian ian was he national champion last year yes or, yeah for his age group, for his yeah. age group yeah. yeah so that that and he'd been racing the two three field last year so he decided to race the sure. men's one two field and the race, Max was out in the lead by like 40 seconds. He was way out in front. So I don't exactly know what happened, but Ian caught him. And Quick question for you, because in the 2-3 field, our own Hayden Weirman went out there and absolutely crushed that race. He won by like 40 seconds as well. Uh, it was, was it more, more than that? It was more. It had to have been more than that. I think at one point in time with like a lap and a half to go, he was a minute up and he was continually putting in more and more time. I could be wrong. He could have come off the gas a little bit for the finish, but he's, uh, he was so far out. No. So my question is how would he have done in that one, two race? That's a good question. I guess Um, you got to look at lap times and you got to also look at the fact that they raced for 15 more minutes, correct? They did. So it was a 60 minute race instead of 30 or 45. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. He would have, I think he would have been top five, yeah, probably in that men's one-two field. He's on his way. Yeah, he's looking strong. Hayden also does very well on drier courses. Yeah, and that's a like a power course. Yep. So, so which this this weekend's race should be good for that because it's a power course as well. Gotcha. The, the corn cross race out in a cornfield <laughs> if it's not too wet it's it's a power course as well gotcha uh the women's one two was won by janelle bickford and second was uh heidi wood and third laura parsons so some love to the women as well so very cool they did good cool matt do you have some news for us in the uh in the vein tri- of triathlon in the triathlon world which i know a lot of our listeners are on the edge of their seats right now and they're wondering like what is going <laughs> on with triathlon uh they had the half ironman world championships in nice france uh and it was interesting because it was a, you know i mean i think a lot of the european courses are more challenging they're more technical they're more like cycling specific in yeah, some this ways this one had kind of a hilly bike course some hilly too. stuff and some dangerous descents and things like that cool. so yeah it makes for um a different type of race um i think uh they raced the women on saturday and the guys on sunday i would have i think a lot of people would have picked daniela rife to win the women's field and she did um a lot of people favorite yeah she's just yeah she's pretty dominant i think a lot of people would pick lucy charles to get second or you know those are the two big names for sure she ended up fifth or something i believe it was fifth yeah so you were saying that she had a drafting penalty, is that right? Yeah, she got hit with a drafting penalty, and it was five minutes, Yeah, which is huge in, five in a race mi- of that so, caliber. So they get hit with the penalty. She's got to pull off to the side of the, the road. Tent. for. F- yeah. She five, goes to a tent for five, five minutes. minutes. And it was at the top of the hill, I believe. So 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. Do you, if you, if you gave her back that five minutes, I mean, obviously, you know, drafting, you get penalized, uh, in triathlon, that's no draft racing. But, uh, if you take away that five minutes, it would have put her in second, I believe. Okay. So that was that it cost her not to mention three positions standing there for five minutes, your body starts cool to cool off. down and, and tighten up. I mean, and it takes then a bit she to rests. Warm, yeah. And then it was a huge descent too. So oh, she didn't really get to warm up so before the descent up. again. Do you think, I can't imagine that people are trying to draft at this level, yeah. right? I don't think that they are at that level. I think everyone wants, you know, it's tricky because you basically, you know, it depends on the race, of course, but like you have these slots, right? Where it's, you know, everyone's kind of saying like, all right, well, it's, you know, it should be like, you know, 10 meters or whatever it is. But they're kind of trying to figure out what that is and how to right. measure that. And they're using, sometimes they'll use um, lines in the road to try to figure that out. And and I think everyone's trying to do that because they don't want to get hit with a penalty. Right. Um, but they're racing also. But they're racing. The brain's not getting all the oxygen. No. And, right. and honestly, like you have all these rules too. Like if you pass, you can slot in to these spots, but it, sometimes there's not room. There's not that, there's not that 10, you know, feet it's it's really more like 15 feet or something like that anyway but you don't have that room to slot in and so you're you if you're gonna pass you have to pass you have like to pass 20 the whole people line. Right? Yeah, which yeah. is impossible which, yeah and so and if you don't pass it fast enough you can get hit with the penalty and we should talk to evan about this but like there you know the draft is real even though you have this non-drafting race yeah you're still getting a draft even 10 meters back you you you're feel picking, it you're picking up you're, a lot you're of, going like 25 yep. miles an hour yeah. so oh, at least there's yeah. a question for you so we use radar on our bikes off yeah. the back to see where cars are coming what's to, what's are. to stop them from making something on the front of the the bike that will tell you roughly how far away you are. And if you get within that, that danger zone, it gives you like a warning, like, Hey, back off. And they could even use that for governance reasons. That would be cool. They might not use radar technology. The way that our radars work is it sees objects that are moving faster than us coming up on our backs. But yeah. But they could use like <clears throat> LIDAR or something like that. Of course, that's getting to be pretty expensive, you know, to measure distance for, you know, um, something though. I mean, would that help or solve problems or would it create a, a safer training or uh, racing environment? I don't even know if it's safety issue. I think it's just like one of these things where it's like, we, we don't want to have drafting in these races. And so we have to have a rule. And so we have to enforce that rule. Therefore there are going to be drafting penalties. And sometimes people, you sometimes know, it's subjective. Sometimes yeah, it just... happens. Right. And so I think it's, I kind of feel like it's okay. It just is what it is. It's not perfect, but I'm sure Lucy Charles is upset. Well, but. Yeah, and <laughs> and if uh, you watch St. George, uh, Ironman 70.3 St. George this year, uh, Keenlay got hit with a drafting penalty. Oh. And if you if that you watch was, the video from that one, yeah. the person that he got hit for drafting was kind of out, like way off to the left of where he should have been. Um, so in order to get around him to the left, uh, you know, Keenlay got stuck behind him for a minute. And I think... I think that individual in front of him, I won't, I won't call him out uh, on the podcast here, but that individual in front of him probably should have stayed to the right uh, significantly more. And, mm -hmm. and I think Keenley could have gotten around him a lot cleaner and not get hit with that penalty. And so I'm, I'm curious with Lucy Charles, uh, I didn't see video of what yeah. happened with her, but it may have been a similar circumstance where, where one of the other pros was off to the left, maybe where she should have been yeah. and made, made passing more difficult than it should have been. And, this year is interesting because I feel like this is a world championship and I've always thought of like the half Ironman world championships is not like a real the world championship. It's always serious, but though. now it's getting better. Yeah. Like yeah. everyone was there for the most part. I mean, I think Keenly actually wasn't there, um, but it was good. 
Like it was, it's looking like a legit both, world championships now. Both the men's and women's men's races, and, women's. and I really like that they split them up on different days. Me too. So the the pro women didn't get uh, any assistance from the fast age group males on the bike. Right. Yeah, I think it's the way to do it. Speaking of the guys, the guys race was on Sunday. A guy that I didn't know won it. His name's uh, Gustav Eiden. Now I thought he was one of the fast three ITU. Norwegian ITU yep. guys. Yep. Yeah. But I, I just don't know. Him. Like, oh, so he beat Alistair Brownlee, who oh, most wow. of outran us him. Outran him. Oh wow! I know. Yeah. So stuck with him on the bike, and then and, yeah, and beat and him they on the ran run. fast. They, they, yeah, they, they went one oh eight or something like that on oh their their gosh. half, and Alistair went one ten or something, which is fine. I can't even wrap my head around those yeah. speeds. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so good running. Um, interestingly, uh, the guy that won Gustav used um, a road bike with clip-on arrow bars. I thought that was interesting. Oh wow! Because there's a lot of climbing. It's a hilly course. Yeah. Yeah, hilly course, and I don't know. Makes sense. You know, a lot of the big gains for, you know, using clip-on arrow bars or whatever it is, is just bringing your shoulders in and stuff like that. Your clip-on's fine. Yeah, so that works. You get pretty far with that. So wow. Something for people to consider, you know, if they maybe destroyed their time trial bike and they're, <laughs> and they're thinking about buying a new time trial bike. <laughs> their time trial stem <laughs> fell apart if unexpectedly. Don't know. Maybe you shouldn't even buy a new time trial bike. <laughs> yeah. Is it worth it? Who knows? Uh, yep. Hey, where's Evan? Uh, Evan you, Price. Oh, yeah. People are probably wondering, where's what, Evan? What happened to Evan? <laughs> Why do we have Alan Wait, here? Is this, this is going to, we're just quietly go unnoticed. <laughs> no one's going to talk about Evan Price. Triathletes are interchangeable here. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, Evan is at a race that actually is a really good race as well. It's um, Santa Rosa in California. Santa Cruz. Oh, I'm sorry. Santa Rosa is, yeah, that's a totally different race. Uh, Santa Cruz, 70.3. I'm trying to remember who won those races and things like that. Do you was, have it that was it Evan? Was it Evan? Was it Evan? I think Evan. So we don't actually. Close. So we no. don't know what happened to Evan. I think he had a mechanical on the bike, and I don't know that much detail about it. Do you know anything? I I haven't talked to him about it yet. I did notice that uh, yep. several of the other pros there they they broke down on the on the Ironman website the bike split into yeah. three different sections. Sure. And several of the other pros that I was looking at had uh, bike splits in that middle section that were maybe a mile or two per hour slower um, than their average pace. Mm -hmm. And Evans was was significantly lower. So I'm thinking Almost something something had to have yeah. happened. Something yeah. Happened, yeah. It looked like you know somewhere around that 40 mile marker, he had a mechanical is what it looked like from the results. But I'm sure that he'll come back on the podcast. He did say he will backpedal for us next week. Okay. Maybe he stopped for a nap. I could have napped sure. it. Naps are good. It could have been some sort of like sea lion situation. No oh. one knows. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, on the bike. On the bike course. You had a sea lion panic attack post swim. <laughs> it's possible. Sea caught possible. up with him. Actually, his, a land attack there, huh? His swim His swim looked pretty good. And, you know, the, I think that was one of the situations where he wasn't worried about the sea lions. But when he got on the bike, he had a little time to breathe. Thought That's about when, it. Thought, thought about, about it. Thought about how close he got to a sea lion. <laughs> yeah. Freaked out. He got 40 miles into the bike ride and <laughs> had to take a break. Stop for a pastry, maybe too. <laughs> Suffer pastry. Uh, he ran. Pastry. He ran okay. You know, he swam. I thought he swam really well. I thought he, 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 he ran swam twenty seven. Yeah, twenty seven. Which and I he think ran one twenty seven, which, which is solid. Which is solid. It's a good run. I think the bike. I think it was like. I feel like he biked really well, and the three splits that we were talking about. Yeah, biked really well. Something happened. Biked really well. Exactly. So I don't. Th I don't yeah. think he had a bad day. I just think that he had a mechanical. Something so like we'll that. we'll find out the real story soon enough. I don't know who won those races. I feel like I, I noticed Heather Jackson got third in the females field, and I'm guessing... J Jason West won okay. the pro field. Okay. I don't know who that is either. Yep. So Cool. Anything else 
any newsworthy? More, any more triathlon news? <laughs> no more triathlon news. <laughs> Moving on. Please. Uh, the only interesting thing in the Vuelta, uh, Espana. Um, Espana. Uh, Primoz Roglic is still in the lead. Looking solid, yeah. And Did you know he was a ski jumper yeah, before? Yeah, yeah. He had a really bad wreck. Right. It, it's <laughs> mentioned every friggin' time, isn't it? Oh, is that? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's the yeah. joke. He used to be a ski jumper. Yeah. His team is crushing it yeah, this year. Yeah, Vizla is doing great. There, yeah, that's... Um, Valverde is in second okay. at this point, who's the reigning world <laughs> champion. And um, uh, Pogacar, oh, or I don't know how to say his name, this 20-year-old... From Slovenia is in third at this point, and it, it looks like he is cementing his place on the podium, which is fantastic. What's going on in Slovenia? So Primoz Roglic is winning, Pojakar is in third, and isn't Sagan from Slovenia as yep. well? What the heck? It's a tiny little country, and are they? They figured something out. There's growth hormone in the water yeah, there. That's what you do. <laughs> you just you squeeze the syringe right into like the right into, right into the water. Supply system, and there you go. <laughs> anyway, that's happened in the Vuelta. Awesome. Hey, listener hot lap. A listener oh, hot boy. lap. This is, yeah. So last week, we had Jerry on, and he, that went really well, I thought. And this week, our listener is actually sitting in the studio with us. <laughs> Tough act to follow. <laughs> Jerry, I was, was, Jerry him, was good. I was going to make him run outside and jump on his phone so we could talk to him. But <laughs> since he's sitting here, we'll let him talk into the microphone. <laughs> Matt, do you have any questions for our listener, Mr. Alan Plank? Um, okay. I got a tough question for you. Oh boy. Uh, these guys should all be nervous because we got to drag you back into triathlon. So <laughs> no. Lance, do you have any questions for Alan? I, I, let me go. <laughs> let, me, let me finish. Let me finish my thought. Let me finish my thought. Are you due for an Ironman PR? A personal record. Could you set a personal record in an Ironman distance race? I can't say that I haven't thought about it. You would absolutely um, crush your old I, PRs. I definitely need to work on the running. Yeah. Well, Okay. Yeah. That's a that's yeah. a that's a hey he could that's crush. It comes down I, to. It he could, could he could crush his old PRs. Have you done a few Ironman? I, so I I did one. Uh, I did Ironman Coeur d'Alene back in 2012. Okay. Um, 12:46 I believe was my time, uh, which I was pretty happy with. Um, and then also in 2012 and 2013, I did uh, the Leadman 250 in mm -hmm. Bend, which had a 137 mile bike ride. Oh. And it was it took you up and over Bachelor twice on the Cascade Lakes Highway. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was tired after that. <laughs> it um, didn't run real well. Those were those were both uh, eleven and a half hour days, I believe. Um, and the the second one, it was it was like raining and hailing up on the oh. mountain. It was it was cold. My hands were numb. Um, I've I've been trying to work back into that kind of stuff, but uh, but yeah, I just had to focus on cycling this year. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, you, I think that's one of the reasons that I think you're going to destroy triathlon when you come back is just because your biking is so good right now. So yeah, just got to make time for running and swimming. It's going to be guess. exciting. It's hard. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Lance, hit him with a question. I want to know what your favorite segment on the show is. Oh, oh good question. Boy. You know, to be honest, I think I think the backpedal is my favorite segment. See, um, there it is again. I do I do like listening to you guys backpedal. Um, I am one of the people that said. Uh, Maybe maybe you guys should limit the backpedal a little bit. Um, Tighten it up I, I a don't little. Know. Huh? I don't know though. It it really is. Uh, I think it's beneficial to those of us listening that maybe don't have as much cycling experience to listen to to you guys talk over the the races that you've done and and what went well and what didn't, so that we can learn from from what you guys uh, see out there on the courses. So gotcha. How about a guest that you would like to see us have on the show? Oh, I mean. Totally, Lance Armstrong. Absolutely, Lance Hepler's also good. Uh, I'm right here. Lance, Lance Hepler's here all the time. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I grew up 
I'm, I'm 35. And so I, I grew up with, you know, my dad and I watching the tour de France when Lance was winning over and over again. Um, and, and I was a fan. Um, and aside from a couple of years there where, where he wasn't, uh, liked as much. Um, I think he's, he's definitely made a turn again and he's coming back around and, um, I would, I would love to, to have him here around and talking to you guys on this podcast. That'd be cool. Yeah. That would be most excellent. Um, you, uh, you've been on our team. So for what, two years now, a couple of years, what, what drew you to wanting to be on the dialed cycling team? I ran into you guys. Um, so <laughs> I, I had been training with a, another, uh, local triathlon team, uh, the Lackamas swim and sport crew. Yep. Um, and I found that my cycling, I, I kind of wanted to get out off the front of that group a lot. Sure. And, uh, then I just kind of started riding on my own. And then I, I kept running into you guys, uh, out and about on the road and was like, Hey, you mind if I tag along and you know, all I've got is this triathlon bike. I hope you don't mind me joining a group ride on this thing. And oh, s- we're gonna get to that. <laughs> you said, <laughs> you said no. Come on out, join us. And you then did some interesting rides too. Like you would like climb Mount, which you know I was trying to think not Mount Hood, but like one of the. Didn't you do some of the um, big like mountain climbs on your tri bike and crush uh, the descents? And so put- yeah, over um, Johnston Ridge, uh, going up that looks at the north side of Mount St. Helens. So windy Helens. Ridge. Yeah. Evan talks about it all the windy time. Ridge. Yeah. Yeah. So I've done, so there's roads basically that go both sides to look at Mount St. Helens and I've done them from both directions on my, on my time trial bike. He did that 10,000 foot climb thing on a 55. You have a 55, have a 55 front 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 chain ring. Ring. <laughs> It's just ridiculous. <laughs> I didn't, Actually, I didn't keep it in that chain ring on the, <laughs> on the steep stuff. That was it, for the downhill. It was fun because um, oh, yeah. Alan, Alan can descend really well, and that's one of the things I do pretty well. And so I, I remember coming to the descent and just bombing it and going really fast and turning around, and Alan's right on my wheel. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got somebody who can descend with me. Yeah, I had never so. thought about it before I heard you say it, Lance, but uh, clear conscience. Yes. I, I guess I have one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Descending's about a clear conscience. <laughs> you guys killing me, man. Matt, you got any more questions for him? Um, no, that, that triathlon question is really what I wanted to hit him. Squeeze in there. Get Lance, that in. any questions? Uh, what are you hoping to do for the next year? What's your What's your plans? More biking or more triathlon? So the, the goal is just to get better at, at everything, right? Um, swimming, biking, and running for me. Um, but, but definitely, uh, I'm looking at starting up a, an actual training plan. Um, yeah. I've got a pretty solid Zwift set up with a, a projector and a screen in front of my bike and, and good fans uh, in my home gym. So I think I'm going to put in some quality training on the bike this winter and see if I can get stronger and faster. I like it. On just the bike? Well, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm I'm gonna run too. I've I've got uh, I've been thinking about maybe doing like a hundred k run next year, one of the longer ultra oh type yes. runs as you well. Like that? No, so uh-uh. no, they're fun. I mean, they're beautiful. It's like <laughs> it's just like mountain biking or gravel riding or something it's, like that. Where it's just like it's really more like speed hiking. They right. don't they don't really run the whole time. So, all right, you got any questions for us, Alan? Um, you know, I have a question that I've been thinking about and hoping that would get brought up, um, but it hasn't. So, Lance. Uh, I'd like an update on the whoop strap. What have you, oh, yeah. what have good you call. learned from it? What are you, it's what a, do you see as benefits? Um, good is it question. worth it? Um, okay. So the whoop strap is, is this uh, wearable band that you wear 24 hours a day 
Um, it measures your heart rate and your heart rate variability and your sleep cycles. And it's supposed to give you an idea of like how rested and how primed you are ready for um, big output. Sure. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence. So I've had it since training camp. So yep. it's been like eight months that I've been wearing it. And um, I'm now used to having it on my wrist. Initially, I'm like, I don't want to wear this thing all the time. But um, I'm now used to having it on my wrist. I find that it's just, it's one more tool to kind of look at things. It's really helped me focus on my sleep and how, what quality of sleep I'm getting and the things that help me get more quality sleep, like not drinking caffeine after two o'clock in the afternoon, um, uh, uh, trying to go to bed at a certain time. Um, not using my screen device while I'm in bed or, you know, you, you try to, you, those types of things, trying to get more quality sleep. But there's been mornings when I've woken, it, every morning when you wake up, it gives you a, um, a score, like yeah, yeah. how, how rested and how ready you are. They call are. that strain, right? Yeah. Like okay. what your, what your strain score is. Uh, let me look here so that you can. So like today's strain score, I actually slept really well last night. I got over eight hours of sleep, which is rare for me. Uh, but I had a ninety-six percent recovery Ooh, score last rested. night. Okay, Great. yeah, okay. baby. But and one of the first things you said when you came here today was you felt what exhausted, right? Exhausted. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. This is another tool. Yeah. Because there have been days when I've woken up with like a thirty percent recovery score, which would be in the red which means you need to take it easy and I've raced that day and killed it. Interesting. Yeah, I just I, my thing is I worry that like that's a you know, I mean, I don't know how much we buy into all this mental game of Correct. racing and stuff, but it's like here's this thing that's saying you shouldn't have a good race. It's like do you want someone to tell you that before Correct. a race? Like every you know, when I'm talking to these high school kids, they're definitely like mental, you know, basket cases and so you're always like you're gonna have a great race today i can tell you know it's like and then they're like they believe that and then they go out there and they do it um but if you tell someone no not today this is not gonna be your day like right. all of a sudden as they're racing that's gonna be there and maybe cycling is a little different than running but i don't know friday 10%. i woke up and had a 10 percent recovery score wow, and i had a big race on saturday yeah. and i still raced well on saturday not bad so you know i I think it, it has its place. It's, it's a tool. definitely it's a tool. It definitely helps me sleep better and help me focus a lot better on recovery and sleep. Um, but I tr really try not to get hung up on the fact that am I in the green today? Am I in the yellow today? Am I in the red today? Because if I'm in the red today and and the there's a race on the schedule, I still want to go do the race. Maybe you just don't look at it race morning. No, you can't <laughs> help it. It like tells you right off the bat, you know. So. Now, you also wear a Garmin Phoenix watch, correct? Yes. And does that capture a lot of the same data? It's a it's a Phoenix 3. so It's it, a little older. It's the older model. It does not capture the same data. I'd be yeah. curious to see a comparison of the two in terms of like you know, what kind of information. Because the, the newer Garmin watches will capture all of your sleep data. Like, I don't know if they've got the oxygen sensor in there. Is that... Is that a part of the whoop strap or is that just purely heart rate? It's heart rate variability, right. gotcha. which, which is a difficult thing to describe. But heart rate variability is your body's ability to, 
to go to like to full maximum uh-huh. and and um, like on short notice. Sure, I'm probably totally butchering this yeah. explanation, but it's it's your ability to to recruit everything to to perform at a really high level. Gotcha. The lower heart rate variability you have, the less you can do that. The higher, the better. Um, and so uh, that is is a difficult thing to measure and it can really only be measured during the deep sleep cycle when you're asleep because your heart rate variability changes while you're awake. Um, if, if you have any type of fight or fight response, it, it changes immediately. If you're all relaxed, it changes immediately. So it's measured during a deep sleep cycle, not the REM sleep cycle, but the deep sleep cycle. So you have to have something that knows that you're in the deep sleep cycle and can measure that to give it an actual valid number to kind of look at. So it, it's, it's complicated. I'm old. I'm almost 50 years old. And so my heart rate variability usually ranges somewhere between 80 and, and 100 beats per minute or whatever that means. Right. But well-trained rested athletes their heart rate variability might be 250 so i'm like a third or a fourth of my heart rate variability my heart rate variability is is less for younger athletes or for more well-trained athletes so what, what i find interesting about heart rate variability i tracked mine for a while and i thought it was it's a it's a really interesting metric um because normally we look at like resting heart rates and all these things like that yeah. but heart rate variability you know it's it's almost to me it's the way it sounds is kind of like opposite of the way that you mentally think it would be um so if your heart rate is nice and regular uh there you have a very like low variability right then you'd think that'd be great turns out that that's like your body trying to recover your heart is just right. nice and steady and it's got it's locked onto this rhythm and so you actually want this higher number like this variability to be going up like your heart you know bounces up one minutes you know 80 beats per minute then you're back down to your towards your resting heart rate so that variability is actually a good thing that means your body is amped up and ready to go for a workout. ready to perform gotcha. yeah it can respond to changes yeah. so, yes demands when you know so when you when you learn about heart rate variability it's it's counterintuitive i thought um but it's definitely i think a metric that more people should potentially pay attention to because it's generally saying like are you ready to go like are you know is your body prepped and you know ready right. to go at least at kind of that cardiovascular system level so. right i knew nothing about it until i started so wearing the yeah. hoop strap i didn't even know it was a thing <laughs> i hadn't even yeah. heard about it so Gotcha. So real quick, how much does the device cost and what's the monthly fee? Um, yeah. It's just a monthly subscription service. You don't have to pay for the device? You have to they, s- they send it to you for free if you sign up with their monthly subscription service. Gotcha. I want to say I paid like 110 bucks for 12 months or something like that or 130 I can't remember what I paid for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you've so, been using it for just shy of a year. Yeah. Will you re-sign with them for another year? I, I don't know. I'm not sure if okay. I will or not, to be honest with you, because I don't like wearing the thing every day. Mm, That's yeah. annoying, but I really like having the data. Sure. So I have to weigh whether it's worth it to put up with wearing the thing over having the data. And I think learning, you know, really how to recover better and and what good sleep looks like. I've learned a lot just in the last nine months and just trying to gotcha. be with my sleep. So I don't know if I'll do it again. 
There might be some other options, so we can talk about it. You know, that's a longer response than I was expecting from that yeah. question. So that was a good question. Yeah, I'll thank you very much. We might questions. have to take that into a, another topic someday. Yeah. Cool. That's a good idea. I've um, got more questions if we have time. <laughs> Not for Lance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. So I did want to ask Matt, uh, how's the shoulder feeling when you swim these days? Um, so it's actually it's when when I first got in the water and just was like, I don't know what I'm going to be able to do. Like I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get out of the pool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was super surprised because the buoyancy of the water kind of pushes my arm up a little bit. I've been able to swim, and not only that, like I've been able to swim surprisingly fast which is crazy to me. And it really kind of reinforces the fact that you don't have to be strong. You don't have to have a lot of muscles to swim. It's all about like streamline and your position in the water and all this stuff that's, you know, and that's why we get beat by like 12 year old girls all the time. Uh, it's, it has way more to do with feel of the water. And so all of that stuff's still good. And so I've done some stuff like broken 130 and hundred, you know, hundred meter, you know, split or whatever. I yeah. know that's not super impressive, but like it's not that far off of stuff that I was doing before I got hurt. Uh, and the shoulder's doing well. And what happens is as I swim for a little while, you know, over once I get towards a thousand meters or so, it gets really sore and achy. And so it's, it's, it is what it is. I think it's getting better. The most I've done was um, just over 2000 meters. I was, I was visiting my uncle who's a big time swimmer and it was just like, I got to take advantage of this. So I swam with him and I'm hoping that, you know, that by, kind of the beginning of next year that I'll be back full hundred percent. Nice. So we'll yeah. See. I think, I think you'll find that as you keep uh, trying to extend the, the distance, distance a little bit more, it'll, yeah. it'll still be sore, but you'll yeah. go further before it gets that sore and, and you'll find sore is okay. Yeah. You know, it's just like, yep. there, it's not like a sharp pain or anything. It's just no, sore. It's a dull so, ache. Yeah. Uh, I've, I think I've separated both my shoulders oh, uh, unofficially. So, but Ooh. not nothing as bad as what you did. Well, so, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm okay. pretty pumped about it. Good to hear So Yeah. We can swim, except nice. for I can't swim as fast wow. as you, but we could swim some. Uh, yeah. I might be surprised. I've been spending way more time on my Too bike, than, on bike. <laughs> than in the water okay. lately. As you yes. should. That's good. <laughs> Any uh, other questions? Uh, one more, Jake, for you. Uh, when's the Zwift group ride thing oh, getting yeah. started? I'm right. kind of excited about it. I think it's going to be the second, possibly the third um, Tuesday. No, yeah, Tuesdays. We're doing those on Tuesdays in October. So pretty much once the weather turns and it's looking pretty consistently bad outside, um, that's when we'll kick that on. Um, I'll probably put something up for the second week of October, unless it's nice out. Then I'm sorry, I'm going to go ride my bike outside because <laughs> I need to take full advantage of that just mm -hmm. for Fair me enough. personally. But it will be early October, early to mid-October. Cool. Yeah, it's exciting. Yep, that's always a good time, even though we're indoors on trainers. <laughs> <laughs> so Cool. Thank you for those questions. And good questions. Thank good. you for being uh, on the listener hot lap. Happy to be here. Let's jump into our topic for today. Cycling and triathlon etiquette. And uh, this goes out to Jerry, who was on last week. Yeah, made that recommendation. Like, you know what? I think that that's a good thing to jump into. We've we've touched on it before. Um, we've touched on it a bunch of times, actually. But let's get let's get into the weeds on this one. Let's uh, let's talk about all things etiquette. Um, I want to start with Matt, if that's OK, to get the triathlon stuff out of the way. Sorry. <laughs> Get it? You mean by get it out of the way? You mean it's the most it's the most important? Oh yeah, it's the most important. Yeah. We should definitely reference it first. Okay. What's some good uh, for both of you boys? Uh, what's some good etiquette that we can put out there for the folks who uh, like to sure. know, run that whole triathlon okay. circle? I've mentioned this before on this podcast, but it was a long time ago, long long time ago. I would say um, if I'm if I'm kind of just reaching for triathlon specific stuff, uh, if you're drafting someone in the water, perfectly fine, perfectly legal. But if you're slapping their feet 
every other stroke. That's annoying. And I feel like that's crossing the line as far as etiquette stuff goes. Uh, and so don't do that. Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Alan, on. do you have any other triathlon stuff? Uh, yeah. Going back to uh, the whole discussion earlier on Lucy Charles and, yeah. and Keenlay, man, if, if you're in a non-drafting race, stay to the right, accept a pass. Yeah. It's really pretty simple. Um, and it, and it could alleviate uh, issues in somebody else's race. I mean, I, I truly feel that uh, the the guy in front of Keenley kind of right. kind of ruined Nestis. his race by the way he was riding on the road, right. um, and that's pretty unfair. Other side of the coin, if you're new to triathlon, most of the races that you might be doing would probably be you know it would be illegal to draft, and so don't draft, which means don't get right behind another cyclist and be like, oh man, it's so much easier to ride here, yeah. right, Lance? The first <laughs> triathlon I ever did was in the state of Washington <laughs> at some pond uh, up uh, near Seattle and I was new to cycling I -hmm. was new to triathlon and really didn't know the rules I swam well Um, it was like an 11 mile bike because it was like a sprint and three miles into it I rolled up on somebody's wheel and I'm like oh my gosh this is so much easier (laughs) I'm just gonna sit on this guy's wheel and I literally sat on his wheel for like three and a half miles and he turned around and yelled at me. And I thought, what do you, what, dude? I'm like, this is way easier back here. And he's like, you can't draft. I'm like, what is drafting? Right. That's the thing. I think, I think a lot of triathlon races don't go over the rules. Don't talk about what you should. And so where do you learn? Yeah, Except for, for exactly. someone yelling at you. And right? I'm assuming so. you didn't get a penalty. So no, there was, the there was nobody, there was nobody enforcing it. Yeah. I, 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 I was totally clueless. Yeah. Yeah. So I finally went around him, and he like cussed at me again, and I'm like, "This sport sucks." And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was ah. totally my fault. So yeah, don't draft. Okay. In triathlons, running. You know, if you're out training and you're running and you're running with your headphones on, just recognize the fact that there might be someone faster behind you. There might be a, a bike group behind you that wants to pass you, and if you're wearing your headphones, you know. Make sure you're aware of the surroundings, I would say. You're not really supposed to wear headphones in a race. If you do, be careful. Aftershocks, can you wear those in races? Because they're not in your ear? Uh, probably I had somebody de- ask me that question the other day. I'm like, you know what? Would, I don't know. I, it would depend on the race director, probably. They yep. get to make the call. Gotcha. So, How about peeing in the pool? <laughs> is, that, yes. is that bad etiquette? I, I think that... Um, you know, the chlorine that they use at, at the pool where I'm at turns green when you pee in it. Excellent. And, or blue, I'm not sure. But so I'm Definitely always changes not colors. True. I'm, I'm always trying. True. I'm always trying to test that chlorine <laughs> and make sure it's working. So constantly peeing in the pool. Don't swallow the pool water, period. <laughs> you guys swim in each other's pee. You know that, right? <laughs> Try not to think about it. If someone's drafting me really bad, they're touching my toes. I just let it rip. Just let it roll. I just let it rip. No, I, I don't do that, but if I could, I would. I don't think I could pee and do the swim stroke correctly, but I would if I could. Oh, nice. <laughs> All right. Um, Lance, do you have any etiquette rules that you'd like to jump you know, into? I, I'd like to talk about group ride etiquette. Sure. Yes, stuff, let's, let's do that. Because there's a lot of things that, especially newbies, just don't know that you know what you should and shouldn't do. Yep. Um, one of them, the first thing in a, in a group ride you got to call crap out in the road. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're on somebody's wheel, you don't see stuff coming. Um, you, you kind of, you need to like point it out or yep. 
I think there's different levels too, right? Where it's like, it's almost like the more you ride with something, the more you learn how they call stuff out. And so, right. Like if there's something, you know, like really bad broken glass and like, you know, clearly someone had just gone to town on some window or something that's all in the road. Like you're going to want to be like, you know, say something loud glass, get over everyone, you know, like let the group know. And then other times it's like, man, there's a small bump here. Just let me just point at it. Uh, were you on the ride with Michael Gilbert? It was a beaches ride. Uh, I was not. Luckily, I was yeah, not. I wasn't on that either. One. But it, it was. Yep. It, it was a group ride. Yep. Pace line fast group yes. ride. It was a bunch of triathletes. So everybody's on aero bars. That's yeah. another issue. We'll talk about that. Was this the broken fork? Yeah. Yes. Uh, and this, collarbone. Was, yeah. And yeah, there was, I heard about it. Yeah, a box of books or a or a trash bag full of books that were that was in the road. In the road, and the first few guys pointed it out, and Mike missed the point out or something like that and yeah. he drilled it and went right I over think the, the top. story's worse than that so uh, i don't know if yeah. we should should share it but basically i think one of the you know guys you know missed calling it out or whatever and feels so guilty about it and so it's it's one of those tough situations where Do you want me to talk about it you were there weren't you i was there oh yeah should we not talk <laughs> about it there. i don't know i feel like we shouldn't talk Jake about just went it. To the bathroom so we missed the yeah beginning. i would have jumped in on that sooner but you know what i kept an ear out because lance is kind of loud and he <laughs> voice echoes so i was listening <laughs> <laughs> Matt got talking about peeing in the pool and it just made me have to go. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think you brought that one up. Um, <laughs> uh, there was somebody that was out front um, doing his best Chris Froome impersonation, uh, staring at a stem, staring at a stem, <laughs> going hard. And he just, he, he missed the, the, um, the, it was a big giant uh, trash bag full of like binders and folders and that kind of stuff. And he missed it until the last second. And he looked up and like swerved around it and didn't have time to point it out. And so he just missed it. And Mike went straight into it and flew over his bar. So it was just an unfortunate thing. And I will say that those two guys have been riding together for like, over a decade right long, so they're, long time they're best buddies and you know and i heard about all the the triathletes on the aero bars well i was back there on my road bike in the very back watching this thinking this is going to end very badly but i'm going to give kudos to the, the rest the of the group the rest of the group they all avoided everything so you know hats off to them for not okay so, so next etiquette tip what's the etiquette on showing up to a big group ride with aero bars don't do it in general don't do it unless you know everybody there and they've told you yeah come on out just like we told alan so yeah and, and that i think that's tough because i think it's one of those things where you kind of have to be you know it's like if this is the only bike you have yeah. you know what right. do you do do you you know do you just that but if that's the case you kind of have to know the group i think do know you the, sit on the back then because that's the trick with aero bars is they're not as as agile right it depends on the rider but that's the the issue is you just can't right. react as quickly, especially if you're in the air bars. If you're in the air bars, on, definitely. You don't have hands on the brakes yeah. potentially. Yeah. So if Matt showed up, and I know Matt, oh, I, don't I, would. Pro- I, don't, I would. I don't have, I a, have a problem. I don't with have that. a problem with Matt because I know how he rides. I know how he handles his bike. I know what kind of a rider he is. I'm I'm happy with that. He's predictable. There's a lot of other people. Right that are very unpredictable that might even still be somewhat new to the sport. And I don't want them intermingling with our, our, our group because yeah. I don't want somebody to get hurt, including Actually, them. If I'm on a big group ride and I see somebody in air bars, I just stay away from them. Yeah. yeah. It just, just because I don't know. Are they going to be in their bars? Are they going to be in their bars or not? Are they going to clip my wheel or not? So yeah. maybe, yeah. maybe I'm too much of an optimist here, but I feel like in most cases, if you just take the time to have the conversation yes. with people That's ahead of time, point. you know, yeah. as soon as they join the group, Hey, 
you know, I, I see that you have arrow bars on the bike. You know, stay if you're going to be bars. behind someone or in the group, stay off the arrow bars, you know, keep your hands near the brakes. And yep. I think, I think after you've had that conversation, it should be reasonably safe. I mean, yeah, it's, I think it's tricky. Cause like every group is different. Every group, you know, you have a dynamic group of cyclists and whatever it is. And I think you kind of have to figure it out. Like, is it going to be okay if I bring an aero bike to this? Like this is the bike that I need to ride or whatever it is, right. or this is my only choice. In some groups it's not. It's just not going to be okay for you to for you to have your aero bike or whatever. If you showed up at the Savi shootout here in Portland on wow. Sunday morning with aero bars, you would be ridiculed. Yeah. Or dropped. Or just just asked yeah. not to ride with right. the group or whatever. Yeah. I think that's okay. I just think it's one of those things where you know, there there are people for sure that just have aero bikes, right? And it's you just have to let, you know, I think it's just like if you can have a conversation before where it's like Hey, this is the bike that I've got, guys. You know, if you're if you're already at that point, then you're probably okay. Where it's like, I'll ride off to the side or away from the group or whatever it is, you know. But I still would prefer to have people around to ride with. Yep. So I don't know. Yeah. I just go ahead. I was just gonna say, I feel like in a regular group ride, it, once you've had that conversation, you should be good. Now you're talking about the Savi Shootout. That's basically a, an unsanctioned race. Correct. And you definitely can't show up to a road race with a triathlon bike. That's true. That's that. That's a step too far. Yeah. I'll be there. Agreed. <laughs> All right. Evan is not here. Um, <laughs> and I'm looking across the table, and that, like, that's not Evan, and that came out of my mouth. So, Alan, <laughs> as he takes a nice big drink of whatever it is he's drinking that's blue over there, um, do you have any uh, any etiquette things that you'd like to bring up for us to talk about? Man, yeah, there's, uh, there's one thing. So... Uh, somebody almost died in the Ochoco gravel Roubaix, I'm pretty sure, Oofed. um, because, uh, he was riding right behind me and somebody in front of me, uh, tapped their brakes. Oh, I don't man. know if he was, if he was following the person in front of him too. Was it a big close. group? It was a pretty big group. Okay. Yeah, so you was, were, you know, eighth or 10th wheel and, and in a group. Uh, okay. In yep. a group. Yeah. And, uh, and somebody hit his brakes and I also, uh, hit had, my brakes. You had to grab I had brakes. To grab, I had to grab brakes Not to keep from hitting brakes. him. Yeah. Uh, and, and in fact, my, my, so I had been following about a foot or so back from him, which is more space than I usually do in a group ride. Cause I was on my mountain bike, uh, instead yeah. of a road or gravel bike. Um, and I ended up having to grab brakes and my, my front tire actually went up next to his in the process. But the guy behind me actually touched my rear wheel, um, when I grabbed my brakes as well. And, and I'm pretty sure he almost went down and he, he said some choice words and I think he was yeah. upset at me. And I, you know, I said, Hey, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, but but people really need to be careful uh, in in group rides, grabbing a hold of their brakes, um, yeah, and a the lot chain of, reaction yeah, that causes. Exactly, and a lot of that stuff is the responsibility of the person up front because whatever you do up front is going to be what causes the the crashes in the back. If it's grabbing brakes, if it's not pointing something out, if it's uh, just not paying attention in general, that's where things go sideways. And it's generally you're not the one that's going to be you know dealing with the, the problem there. It's it's a butterfly effect that, that gets worse as it goes back through the, the group. Yeah, so, it pr propagates and just yeah gets exponential uh, the further back you go in the group. Yeah, so you've always got to keep your eyes up. You've got to be paying attention to like debris in the road to stop signs to cars to yeah. whatever can come up you've got to be able to like communicate that you know both with hand signals with verbal communication and yeah. then you've got to let people know what's going on so that brings up like three things that are safety oriented with with a group ride not grabbing your brakes yep. holding your line not riding erratically and and that comes with experience to be able to hold your line because if you get too squirrely 
you're you're gonna you're gonna clip somebody behind you or they're gonna clip you. They're only gonna clip you if they're half wheeling you. So that's another thing you don't do is half wheeling. How would you describe half wheeling? Because sometimes people don't even know sure. what that means. Yeah. No, I think you know, if your front wheel is pulled up next to someone's rear wheel, so you you always need to keep in mind that the front wheel is you know is the wheel that you know can move you know as we turn our bikes we're using our front wheel with a slight twist or whatever it is and it's how so, you keep balance right yeah. and so so that one you know is not fixed in place like the rear wheel if you if someone's back wheel hits your front wheel they're gonna probably be fine they're gonna notice a little bump or whatever it is in the front wheel on the other hand you know once that thing gets shifted you're going down you're going down and it's not fun yeah. so you know, the half wheeling definition probably would say like, if you're pulling up that front wheel next to someone's back wheel, that's the way I look at it or the way I think of the half wheeling kind of situation. It's more ideal to kind of line up behind their back wheel, kind of in line. Yeah. You, you typically want to be what, six to 12 inches away from the, the wheel in front mm -hmm. of you just yeah. to keep everything kind of nice and tight and, 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 you know, you don't want to get too close. I mean, if you're, you're less than six inches away. You better really know that rider in front right. of you really well, and they better be very predictable, and you better know the route, or things are going to get right sloppy well, fast. And then, then the opposite side of that is like if you let too much space in, a, in you know in the gap, that's kind of looked down upon as well, right? Because then, you know, someone's either sprinting to kind of either get back on or whatever it is. So what you said was just kind of like somewhere between the foot and and six inches. I don't know yeah, exactly what you yeah. said, but something like six that. Six to tw 12 inches. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, that's, those are ideal, to, you know, kind of placements of where you should put your bike. Yeah. And like, if you're doing that, then and the whole chain behind you is going to start to fall off right. a little bit. Right. And then as soon as you accelerate, typically speaking, the, the, unless you're doing some sort of a pace line work, you'll yeah. find the slower riders in the back that are already having a hard time holding on it as, as it is. And if you start to like accelerate to catch back up, they can only do that so many times before they get dropped. So if you keep it neat and tidy, everybody gets the benefit of the draft. Mm -hmm. um, and you're not going to be doing any of the, the yo-yoing, the, the back and forth, the, the accordion kind of stretch and release. Um, you're not going to do that and you're not going to, you know, be dropping people off the back that are just right. trying to go for a ride and yeah. hold on for dear life. I think it's important to talk about that kind of like mentality of like, as you're riding in a group and you're doing, if, I mean, unless you're racing and you're doing some weird race strategies, even in race strategies, it's kind of looked down upon, but you have this kind of like all for one mentality of like, we're trying not to pop people. We're not trying to, you know, the group will go faster as a group, as a group than individually. And yes. so it is kind of a, we're all trying to look out for each other. I don't want Lance to crash. Like I don't like, these are the things that, right. you know, Know, other people looking inside our sport might might think like oh well then if lance crashes then that's one less person that you have to race against that's no, no, only no. the last 200 meters <laughs> <laughs> the rest of I, the race no i think i think our sport is good in that we are all looking to looking out for our you know our, our health as a whole yeah so yeah um in that same breath we talked about that six to 12 inches a lot of times you're gonna be riding two abreast when you're in a bigger group um i mean if you've got 30 people in a group it's a lot safer to have um, 15 rows of two people as opposed to one long strung out road of 30 riders that's going to have that whole accordion thing. And legally, we're not supposed to go beyond two abreast on the road. So you know, that was the next thing on my list mm -hmm. yeah, is don't ride too. more than two abreast. Yeah. So you want to keep it more condensed. It's easier for cars to pass two abreast. And then when you stay two abreast too, you don't want to have three or four feet in between. You're supposed to have about 12 inches in between the two of you, like from shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. That That's an ideal setup right there. Yeah. So just kind of 
keep that in mind next time you're out on the road. Don't be riding three abreast wondering why people are screaming at you driving Especially by. Especially if you're on a busy road or if there's traffic, you should not be more than two abreast. Yeah. yeah. And in certain situations too, use your better judgment. If it makes more sense, think of it from a motorist perspective. If it makes more sense to put us all single file and try and keep a pace yeah. that everybody can hold, then do that if it's in the best interest of all the cyclists on the road as well as the, the motorist out there. Granted, we can do two abreast if we want, but just you know, use your best judgment. There's lots of places that we ride in rural, you know, the Vancouver, Portland area where we can ride two or three abreast and it's totally safe. And then you get to a busier road and we are riding single file for the next yeah. two miles until we're off this busy road. So, yeah. Yeah. And communicate that as well. I mean, generally speaking, when you're out on a ride, there's a ride leader or a couple of them or people that are like experienced people. Those people need to speak up and tell people, hey, this is what we're going to do for this ne next stretch. And then, yeah. you know, as you do that ride more and more often, people will just naturally fall into line there. And what I don't like seeing is when there's a bike lane and we've got two two riding abreast, you've got one person riding on the fog line and then the other person riding out into traffic when we could have both people in the bike lane. Right. Just so we don't piss off this, the motorist any more than we already have. Right. Um, even though legally we can do what what we're doing right there, but just use your better judgment. Just try and create that that harmony between motorists and cyclists as much as you possibly can and do what's in your best interest to stay safe. Getting hit by a car does not feel good. No. <laughs> All right, what else you got for us, Lance? Any more uh, group dynamics? Um, no headphones. Oh, no, Lance, you're not allowed to say that. <laughs> if I'm riding alone, I yeah, I do have stuff in my ears. But um, on a group ride, I generally pull them out and put them away. If, if I like ride five or ten miles to get to the group ride, I, I pull my headphones out to be with the group because I want to hear somebody calling out crap in the road mm -hmm. or yeah. that car there's back. a turn coming or that there's a car behind us. Yeah, yeah. I want to hear that stuff. To go back to the, the calling out part when I stepped away for a brief second there, um, what is your guys' thought on everybody calling out something? Like if It's got to be the person in front. That's their job. I think I don't think everyone has to do it, but sometimes I will notice in a, in a group situation where you almost have like this front pack. Someone calls it out in the front and maybe the first five people or so like notice and you can kind of tell that the next f group of five or whatever, that not that they're their own pack, they're still part of the, the main pack, but you can kind of tell that they're not noticing. And so I think sometimes it's okay to have like another yeah. reminder. So I, I, I would say does not everyone in the entire thing does not have to say like, you know, there's a pothole, you know, whatever yeah. it is. Like, I will never get mad at someone for calling out something dangerous right. on the road. Yeah. Yeah. So that was going to be my next yeah. thing. Stopping is a big one because a lot of times people get caught off guard. Like, oh, crap, we're stopping. Yeah. And they're grabbing that break. What we just talked about a moment, a moment ago. Stopping and saying that out loud is obviously important for the lead person. But I don't have a problem when more than one or two or three people say it. If everybody says it, I'm fine with that. But yeah. I don't think every single person needs to call it every little thing, you know, that you can think about. True. So, yeah. Communication think? goes a long ways yeah. in yeah. groups. It's better to over communicate, though. But yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. Um, sorry, just want to put that. And then you talked quickly too about hand signals. That's another one that we don't need to get into all the hand signals because it's kind of hard to describe stuff over, you know, airwaves here. Um, that is better shown in person. But if you're not sure what the hand signals are for, you know, things like train tracks or manhole covers or low hanging branches or glass, I mean, there's like kind of a, a, a hand language or sign language, if you will, for cyclists that they right. use to point stuff out. If you're not sure what the stuff is, next time you're in a group ride, ask. Ask what these things mean and, and learn them and, and use them because it's a good way to communicate with people. Yeah. So, cool. All right. Who's got some more stuff here? More etiquette. Bring it. 
I've got a couple things. Bring it, Matt. Um, so we talked about um, kind of pace lining and things like that, and it sure. kind of has yeah. its own like rules and things like that. One thing that I would say is, um, if you're if you find yourself in a pace line and you're you know you basically you end up working yourself up to the front and you feel like you're not one of the strongest riders, i.e., myself in this situation, do a shorter pull, but try and keep the the general pace of the pace line the same. So if the group's going 25 miles an hour, you find yourself in the front and it's it's too fast for you, right? You don't really feel like you need to spend an hour up front pulling at 25 miles an hour. Just do a shorter pull. You know, maybe the group's pulling for a minute or so each. Do a quick 20-second pull. Take a little bit of a pull. Try to keep the pace the same and then pull out early. So pull short as opposed to pulling slow, right? Does that make sense? Yes. 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 And if you can't pull that pace at all, just, just go pull. up there and cycle off. Cycle yeah. through. And yep. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of times, and that that gets to be really annoying, and it becomes unsafe, too, because it will start to cause the group to, like, yo-yo a lot, where if we're going 25 and then someone gets up there and they do their 30-second pull for at 22 miles an hour, yeah, that just it becomes annoying, and it becomes a situation where everybody's all of a sudden slowing down and, and half-wheeling and braking. you got to be careful with that. And one of the benefits to the pace line is you can kind of, you know, it's not perfect, but you can kind of, like... Um, have this wash amongst riders that are faster and slower because a faster person can pull up front longer and then you have a big group of people drafting that might not be quite as fast. Uh, And then the people that are slightly slower take shorter pulls. And so you do kind of have this a bit of a wash in the workout of where everyone gets a strong workout, gets the workout that they need. And I think that's one of the reasons that we all like doing pace line workouts they're dangerous and, but they're fun. You go fast and I feel like you can get a good workout with, you know, like I'm not as fast as Lance, right? For example, we can get a good workout working together. If he takes longer pulls and I take shorter pulls. Yes. So yeah. I think it's good. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Cool. Get any more? I've got, I've got another one. If we want Go ahead. to, yeah, okay. well. uh, one of the great things about riding with Jake is he won't bat an eye. If you have a flat or whatever it is, he'll stop. He'll help you. He loves doing that. But I would recommend for people, you know, as part of cycling etiquette to make sure that you do bring like a flat repair kit. Um, and you know, like all of us are pretty much willing to lend tubes and lend stuff and sit and take our time and help you with your flat and whatever it is. But I think it's important that you know how to handle a flat yourself. And then in addition to that, that you don't just expect someone to just have stuff for you. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's fine. Like, like. I don't think it's that big of a pet peeve of mine or anything like that, but it's just one of those things where it's like, no, you should probably have flat repair stuff yourself. Like you, you know, this, you know, I'm happy to give you my stuff or whatever. And I always do like, I, yeah. I mean, the people that I ride with are people that I've been riding with for years. I'm happy to like, here's a tube, like no big deal. But at the same time, like you should have this stuff. Like it's, you shouldn't just rely on other people. How do you feel about riding with the guy that will pull his tube out and he's got like 14 patches on it and he has no more tubes <laughs> and he asks you for one. But you always I'm, go out and ride with that guy, and he's always, always pulling that same tube out that now has 15 patches on it. <laughs> what about that guy? Then we he- we heckle Evan Price. <laughs> we just heckle him. Buy a new tube. Yeah. <laughs> Here, have like, this one. Like you don't bucks. even have to give me another one back. <laughs> yeah. No, I think heckling is the right way to handle the situation. But it's it's definitely cycling etiquette yeah. for sure. And in that same breath, when somebody does give you a tube and a CO2, and a lot of times they say, ah, don't worry about it. Still, go out of your way yeah, to sure. go get a new tube and a CO2. And next Come time up. you see that person, hand it back to him and say, thank you very much. So, yeah. Um, yeah that, and replace just... your tire if you're getting a flat every ride. Yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Evan Price. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Evan. So <laughs> <here>. <laughs> Hammer him. Um, all right, cool. 
Lance, do you have any more? You're, I, you're out. I'm out. Alan, Alan, you got any more? I don't have anything. Okay, else. I'm gonna rifle off some here. Um, don't litter. Oh yeah. You know, you're oh, taking yes. your little gel pack, one. and you know that gel pack when you're done with it, that doesn't go in, on the it's street. Common sense. That goes in your jersey pocket. Take Keep it home it. with you. I don't know if that's cycling etiquette or just human etiquette. Yes. Well, right. since we're talking about that, um, it's hard when you when you watch the professionals. They just chuck their stuff all the time. Yeah. Bottles trash whatever don't do that yeah did you guys see that <laughs> we're they not were, professionals we're not professionals there's they, fans picking those up right yeah the new rule is they're not allowed to toss bottles unless they're they, they can toss them to fans or they can toss them in feed zones like and that was at the tour even oh tour wow rides. i didn't know I that that's, that's, good, that's good info it's new rule could just chuck it in a ditch but somewhere. i saw so many rule violations right that, yeah whatever okay but it is, it is a new rule. Why am I just thinking in my head, like, oh, I would so love to chuck these at, at tourists or like not tourists, but the bystanders <laughs> watching them. He's like, see if I could hit that guy in the head. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. <laughs> They've got like a whole point system going well, on. <laughs> and a lot of the time in the in those pro races, like you're watching the tour, they're either tossing those bottles in crosswind situations yeah. or going uphill. Oh, yeah. So they're not going to take anybody's heads off yeah. with it. Yeah, that's not fun. <laughs> um you are never too pro not to wave to somebody. Yes. Say hello to your fellow cyclists out there. <laughs> Seriously. Absolutely. You know, it's like we're all in it, this together. Just say hi. And make friends. Choice choice words underneath my breath when someone doesn't wave back. <laughs> <laughs> I, disclaimer here. If I ever don't wave to you when I'm riding with a backpack on, it's because I'm commuting and I'm late to work. So I'm, <laughs> Dis- I'm moving. Yeah. yeah. Disclaimer. I'm going to. I can't see because I'm pushing so hard to get to work on time. (laughs) And it doesn't always have to be a wave. Some people aren't comfortable. Like my wife, she still isn't super comfortable taking her hands off the bars. And so she won't do it unless she absolutely have to. But you know what? A head nod works just the same. You can notice a head nod. Yeah. You just a little tip of the hat to you. A little tip of the head. Do it. Um, We talked about flats. You get a flat tire. Be conscious of where you pull over. Don't set up shop to change your tire right in the middle of the bike lane where other cyclists are going to have to come around you or where a car could mistakenly drift over. Get your backside off of the road. Get yourself in a situation where you're not going to be impeding on anybody's ability to, to come and go and, and change your tire there. Yeah. So, you know, usually I'll look for like a, a tree or something like yep. that that I can like hang my the saddle from so I don't mm-hmm. have to throw my bike on the ground or something, something that I can hook it to, but always get out of there. And then when you're done changing your flat, guess what? That tube, it comes with you. Yes, goes back in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And don't let Evan steal it from you and put the 16th patch on there. <laughs> <laughs> don't litter. Um, and so, yeah. Um, take your turn out front. We talked about that. Be responsible for yourself. That's good. Oh, this is a good one for, for Lance. Don't be the Friday hero. <laughs> Fridays are reserved for recovery rides. Going out, doing a nice, easy little, like, kind of getting the legs ready for the weekend. And all Guilty. of a sudden, Lance is hammering off the front, chasing a KOM like a Labrador chasing a tennis ball. But <laughs> tail and the whole group is like, what in the world just happened? <laughs> are Fridays really reserved in cycling? Is this like a cycling thing? that like yes. so, so So running, like, I feel like Sundays are reserved for long runs. Is that a real thing? Like, is cycling or yes. Fridays really reserved? No, Jake just made it up. Did you, I didn't know if. This, <laughs> did, yes, it is. It's a it's a Matt's recovery day. Being serious. It's an active recovery ride day because yeah. you typically just because you made that Friday recovery rides on the group, or is this like a thing that's, that's a been cycling going thing, for like a 20, 30 it, year thing? It's Go ask kind Google. Of a cycling thing. Yes, yeah. kind of a cycling. Because you'll do thing, your yeah. workouts th- throughout the week, really. Sure. So it's usually, like race, early in the week, like 
like Sunday is going to be like a long day or a recovery day. Monday can be the same thing as well. And then you've got your interval workout that you're going to be doing your like your your quality like threshold kind of stuff. And then um, Friday is usually going to be a day that you need to recover from all that stuff so that sure. you can go out and hammer the group ride on Saturday or go do a race or. No, I I think it makes sense. I just wasn't aware that it was a thing. <laughs> it is a thing. Friday recovery. And now you know. <laughs> Unless there's a tailwind or there's or tailwind. a KOM or KOM. Tailwind situation, guys. <laughs> tailwind situation. <laughs> oh, Fair. my goodness. Um, and then we kind of talked about this a little bit. Whenever you go out on group rides, there's always going to be a slowest person. And unless it's clearly defined that it is a group uh, drop ride. So like the Savi Island shootout, like we talked about there, that that's a group ride, but it's kind of an un- unofficial race. Guys are going to get dropped off of that because you've got cat fives going out there and trying to keep up with cat one. It's guys a drop just, ride. If you get dropped, you're on your own. Oh, exactly. Yeah. But usually most rides are not that way. And they'll, they'll say what kind of a ride it is, but you've always, almost always got somebody out there who is going to be like the weakest link. If you will look out for that person, don't go out in the Hills and, and just go hammering everything and all of a sudden, oh yeah, you know, so and so they they fell off like you know forty five minutes ago. Don't don't leave that person out there, please. Yeah, you know, try and be respectful of that. And there's a way that you can still work your ride so that you can all kind of stay together, get your workout in, and everybody finishes safely together. In the same sense, if the group ride is getting to a climb and somebody wants to attack or hammer the yes. climb, don't go off the front at the top. Stop and wait for the group or double ride back, back down, yes, double back down. Yeah. and and cheer the rest of the group on yeah. up the hill. Yeah. yeah. And don't 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 stop. Circle back. Pick up that last person. Yeah, Use back. it as your recovery. And yeah. you're gonna get even more miles, more training out of it, better effect, and you're not gonna get cooled down and, and sitting there waiting for somebody for five minutes to catch you on a long climb. Yeah. Yeah. Go back and get some more in. Yeah, on that note, uh, keeping track of that person in the back, uh, maybe make sure that they know the route if you don't still have eyes sure. on each other as well. Yeah. Uh, not that long ago, uh, went on a group ride with some people, and the guy off the back uh, missed a turn. Yeah. And uh, it took it's us a bad. while to figure out where he disappeared where to. It happened at training camp this year. Yep. We had uh, a couple folks that couldn't quite get the routes uh, downloaded on their computer, and we lost them a couple of times. So, yeah, we don't want that. Yeah, <laughs> that's not good. We don't want to lose people. Yeah. On the flip side, though, know the group that you're going to ride with. And if you know in your heart of hearts that you cannot keep up with them, probably better to skip that ride and go find something yeah. else. Um, you know, because you don't want to be a burden on the people having to constantly wait. Because that can be a little bit of a problem if there's such a wide separation between like everybody yep. and then the slowest guy. If they're constantly having to wait just because, you know, you pull that out of you know, the, the starting point and, you know, two miles down the road, you already wait for said person and you're in your warm up. That's probably not the right ride for you. So maybe let them know like, Hey, I'm going to go do something else. I will work my butt off to try and get stronger so I can come out and ride with you yeah. guys. But yeah, just there's two sides to that coin. So again, communication can help with that. If, yes. if you guys talk about it ahead of time and, and yeah. that person says, Hey, you know, I know where we're going. I'm going to have a hard time keeping up, but don't, you know, don't wait for me when I fall way off the back. Then that makes you feel a lot more comfortable about it. Right. Gotcha. I don't have anything else. Good. That's a good list. It's <laughs> a good list. Yep. I like that. And I'm sure there's stuff that we missed too. So if you um, are thinking of something like, Oh my God, I can't believe they didn't talk about fill in the blank, jump on Facebook <laughs> Please go make some comments. Make a little comment on there. Tell us what we missed, and we'll we'll try and bring that up the next time. So, cool. Let's jump into one last thing. Lance, hit us. Um, shout out to our teammate Andy Levine, who did the Lodija this last weekend, which is the 
uh, Logan, Utah to Jackson Hole race. Yep. It's a 200-mile race um, with about 9,000 feet of climbing. So it is, it's actually a USAC race, um, significant thing. Uh, the year before, um, Andy had done it with our teammate Michael Myers, and they had managed to scratch onto the podium. And uh, Andy wanted to go back and honor Michael for um, helping him the year before. Um, and so he went back and did the race again. He did well. He had some, he had a flat tire and some mechanicals, which took him off the podium, which he was really hoping for. But um, just a shout out for Andy for doing that race. Nice. For Michael. That's a tough race. Did you, I'm sorry, did you say how long it was? It's 203 miles. Exactly. With yeah. about how much elevation gain? 9,000 feet of climbing. Crazy. Yikes. Yeah. So I, it was kind of funny. I was out there at the, uh, the Hetmere race over this weekend. I'm getting like messages from Justin Wagner. He's sending me pictures. He, he saw a dial kit. He's like, oh, I know that kit. He takes a picture. He's like, hey, spotted a kit from you guys. So he saw Andy out there and sent, uh, sent that over. But um, his teammate from uh, JEO uh, Cycling, actually won, won the, the pro one too. Yeah, oh, wow. That's crazy. That is nuts. Uh, yeah. His last name is Arnell. So he won the 37th annual photo. Just so that's, that's, that's a, that's a huge accomplishment. Cause that's a tough, tough race. So it looks like there's a guy in the picture that you can see on, on Facebook. That's kind of a clip. He's eclipsing him, but it was kind of a close. It looked like it came down almost like a sprint finish. Wow. That's like the last thing you want to be doing at the end of a 200 mile race. The last 50 miles are flat to downhill. So yeah. all the climbing is preloaded. So that might be why they were, in packs coming across the line yeah yeah looks like his name is roger rnl so good job roger cool um alan one last thing uh my only last thing is uh i just wanted to say thank you you guys for thinking of me and uh bringing me up here to thanks for being part in this being willing to hop on board last minute you're welcome happy to have you here <laughs> right on matt one last thing bud if you guys need me i'll be hanging with the cross kids cross country kiddos uh i'm gonna try i'll try and post some videos um to youtube as well i posted something about how expensive triathlon was i think i went through a whole bunch of different gear and just priced it up and it was expensive i think it was like 1500 bucks or something like that i was i thought you were gonna do something like what your your giddy up was you're still that's still kind of a, a budget line that you put there that, that's is. my two cents oh yeah so, it like, is totally i'm gonna oh i, I want to make this video and it'll probably be a week or two most exp like how expensive can you make the sport that's right i think that'll be hilarious i think it'd be good one well, i mean it won't be that one would you ever do something like this is how much my stuff costs like because sure. you're gonna choose gear that's different than some of the stuff that you showed there but then it's like hey here's this busted trek bike how much is this <laughs> i don't know so yeah i could totally go over all the stuff and like how much money i spent for it i had sure. open book like i would totally tell everyone you know i got a lot of deals on stuff so i feel bad being like you know this four thousand dollar bike and i got it for two thousand like i don't you know i feel like that's not fair to be like hey look at the deal that i got like yeah. you yeah. can't get this deal well maybe that's know? a whole nother one like hey if you are where to you know how to find deals where to find deals yes, on if you're stuff, savvy really enough good. you can go yeah. out and get a five thousand dollar bike for you know however yeah. much money so yeah there's a couple videos there maybe oh yeah definitely there's i think there's a lot of stuff with people trying to figure out how to pay for triathlon stuff because it's expensive and then um hundredth video oh wow is that already here It'll be this week if I post something. Wow. Assuming that I make a video this week. I'm just going to probably do some sort of like 100th video. Here's what I'm going to do in the future kind of stuff. You nope. can wave like 100 bucks or something like that? Yep. $100. Nice. I don't know who I'm going to give it to. Probably my wife. <laughs> win that one. That's a good idea. She'll win that one. 
Oh, awesome. My one last thing is um, I'm bummed that I'm missing the rest of cross season. Yes. Yeah. Kind of sucks, but I'm also kind of looking forward to the fact that I am much further along this time this year than I was this time last year. This time last year, I still hadn't been on the trainer even. So um, I think I was just getting ready to start doing my first ride, which was ugly, <laughs> super ugly. So um, what's going to make up for that is just being able to hang my hat on the fact that I can still ride a bike and um, taking pictures. I've really been having a lot of fun doing that. Um, I took a ton of pictures out there at Hetmere. I took over 1,700 pictures and, and windled <laughs> that down to about just over 900 and um, posted those up for people for uh, them to have and use and whatnot. And if you want to have a high-res version of that picture and you want me to take off the little watermark that's down there in the bottom left-hand corner, I'm happy to do that to you. You can go to Flickr and check out Dialed Cycling and you can find all the pictures in there. If you have one of you in there that you want, I will send it to you. I just kindly ask that you go to Obra's webpage and um, you can find the GoFundMe link for saving the Alpen Rose Dairy. Yeah. We talked nice. about that earlier in the um, the podcast that uh, that land is under threat of being sold. Um, there's a scuttlebutt between the, the family members and some of them want to sell, some of them want to keep. And the grandfather said that this is to stay here and it's supposed to be used for you know all these great entities like Little League Baseball. We've got a velodrome there. There's midget car racing, all kinds of stuff going on there. And that's all under threat of being taken away and turned into a bunch of like probably condominiums or something. Yeah. So. But uh, make a small donation. Any denomination will work. Gotcha. Super. Cool. All right. That is a wrap. We uh, will be back next week. Hopefully, we'll have Evan and Toe to tell us what happened. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm curious about his race. Yeah. yeah. Alan, it was uh, awesome to have you in the studio. Thank, Thank you. Thank you uh, for not only coming in for the little show today, but for listening and always giving us good feedback yep. on the show. Lance, best of luck to you and all of your uh, racing endeavors this week. Thank you. Matt, yep. stoked to see you back running and, and swimming and doing all that stuff. Thank we need to go stuff. for a, a bike race okay. or a bike ride. Would, <laughs> we can race like each that. other like <laughs> left, <laughs> but my left shoulder versus your right shoulder. Perfect. Perfect. Let's do it. Fun, so. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. We'll see you next week. Bye for now. Bye.